So today's subject is giving gets you to greater places and people. Giving gets you to greater places and people. Book of Proverbs, chapter number 18, verse number 16. The word says, a man's gift, meaning mankind applies to ladies as well. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. I like the book of Proverbs. It's a great book to read, especially at the beginning of the year, really all throughout the year. If you're newer to Christianity, maybe you're uncertain about it, and you want to read the Bible and not maybe feel like you're being judged, (laughs) maybe you want to feel like you kind of ease into it, probably don't want to read the book of Genesis, because within six chapters, God floods the earth. The book of Proverbs is not really judgy like that. Now, there's mercy all throughout the Bible, but the book of Proverbs really doesn't cram spirituality down your throat, you know? Now, there's other books. Yeah, you needed to have it up in your face to get your life right. But the Proverbs, they're not even really prophecy. They're not really commandments. It's just general true statements that if you will do them, blessings will happen in your life. The virtues of God will manifest in your life. You apply these principles, watch your mind and soul be filled with wisdom, understanding, and with knowledge. You apply these principles, watch the trouble in your life go down to zero. Watch your relationships get good. Watch your employment, your relationship with your boss become amazing. Look at your life and see God's prosperity all around you. Watch out, your marriage will become amazing. Oh, you don't believe me? Let me tell you this. In the first month of my marriage, I said, we're going to build our home, Sister Anna and I, on the Word of God, and we're going to read the Proverbs. And I was reading the Proverbs, and over and over again, Solomon likens wisdom to be a she. Wisdom when she speaks. Wisdom is a her. Wisdom is a female And I said that, my God, wisdom is a female. And I got an elbow right in my side and said, don't you forget it. I'm the wisdom in this house. And if you're married, that's a revelation to you. Mama's got the wisdom. Come on, somebody. (laughs) That's what the Proverbs is for. Marriage, family, children, all of the values that will help your life and the system of it be blessed and be divinely ordered by God. And tucked away in this great book of wisdom and understanding and knowledge is the subject of giving. Solomon says a man's gift will make room for him. I used to try to really get into the Greek and the Hebrew and try to get into deep concepts, and I figured it out here in Kansas City. We just prefer good English around here. But today I want to teach you a Hebrew word. Let me hear you say matan. You just spoke Hebrew and you said gift, a matan. Now, it does not mean a bribe. It doesn't mean give something to manipulate justice or to manipulate the order at which things have been established. But it could also mean this matan, what you have to give, it could expedite your situation a lot quicker than what it already is. Now, I know we got a lot of great preachers that come through. 
And if a preacher gets up here at Passing the Mantle or one of our revivals and says, your gift is going to make room for you. If you got tongues, it's going to make room for you. If you got prophecy, it's going to make room for you. If you got wisdom, knowledge, wisdom, all of that stuff, prophecy, I want you to jump and shout with that preacher, all right? But here, Pastor Jay has the pulpit, so it is as I say it, and I've got the mic. <laughs> Solomon, the Bible here, is not saying that your calling is going to make room for you. He's not saying your great anointing is just going to make room for you. It doesn't mean your talent is going to make room for you. So don't think just because you can do it, you're going to have a place in the pulpit. We're going to have you direct in the choir. That's not what that verse means. But there is other powerful scripture about the gifts and the callings of God. The gifts and the callings of God are so perfect. There's like a seal that's put on it that they are even without repentance. And maybe, just maybe, you had a call of God on your life when you were young and you feel like that calling or that gifting has kind of gone dormant. Let me just tell you, you're one altar call away from having that gift stirred up and getting back on the path that God has for you. Praise God. Your gift and your calling, your anointing, your spiritual destiny biblically does not make room for you. But I tell you what the gifts and the callings do, do in your life. They don't make room for you, but it will help you make disciples. It will help you perfect the saints. It will help you do amazing things. Understand this, not one thing is just reserved for one thing, but many aspects of God and his gifts and callings have to do with multiple things. So it's not your gift and your calling that'll make room for you and put you in front of great people, but it is the gift that you have to give. Praise the Lord. There's a lot of biblical customs that we've got to look inside and find the depth about it. Biblically, when Solomon wrote this, a man's gift would make room for him. It had to do with people and cultures, biblically, all throughout Israel and within Israel and foreigners and wherever you may go, that if you wanted an audience with a king, you had to wait in line. But the better your gift was, it would make room for you to stand before a king or to stand before a nobleman. Or let's say you were a single man and a nice girl caught your eye and you wanted to have her father's blessing. You better brought a gift for your future dad-in-law to ask her for her hand in marriage. Any way that you wanted to present your cause or to present your issue, if you brought a gift, it would open up the heart to whoever you wanted to talk to. A gift had its way of getting you into the front of the line. This happened biblically all through the Bible. But take, for instance, Jacob, when he wanted to reconcile with Esau, he didn't just walk up there and knock on his tent or wave the flaps of the tent. But he sent livestock ahead of him before he arrived as a way, as a present and a gift. And it worked and they were reconciled. You take a look at Jacob during a time of famine when he had to send his sons, his sons, his own sons away into Egypt. He equipped them with medicine and with spices and perfumes and food. And he said, do not go empty handed, but come down to Egypt with all of these gifts. You take a look at Saul when his donkeys, his father's livestock were lost. They went and found Samuel and he gave Samuel silver 
and it caused the prophet to prophesy and to know where his livestock was. You take a look at the wise men in the New Testament. They brought gifts fit for a king right there in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was such a baby. These are the types of instances that Solomon would have known about and wrote about, and they're included in the word of God, that if you will have a gift and give it, it's not just going to make another person happy, but you will find favor in their eyes and watch them begin to do things for your interest. And I believe that the same principle from brother to brother to sister to sister, the same principle applies to almighty God. If you feel like you're waiting in line, start giving a little bit to the kingdom of God and watch the Lord make a lot of time for your cause. Mm. Praise God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like the help of the Lord is in here for somebody. Abraham came from a pagan family in a pagan land. Idol worshipers, the book of Joshua describes him to be. And one God, not from an idol, not from a carving in a tree, not from any pagan ritual, but Almighty God spoke to him through the Spirit and said, get out of here. I've got a better place for you, a better land for you, and I'm going to make your name great, and I'm going to make your people great. And anybody who blesses you, I'm going to bless them. And anybody who curses you, I'm going to curse them. And Abraham set out going, not knowing you see the pattern of his life. He would sacrifice unto the Lord and God would protect him during times of famine. He would build an altar and sacrifice and God would protect him in the time of battle. But it went to a totally new level when he fought a war and saved his nephew Lot. And he was journeying back home and he met a, an individual by the name of Melchizedek, the king of Salem. The Bible says that Abraham respected this individual and gave him a tenth of all the spoils and Melchizedek blessed him. From that day forward, the promises of God began to really fulfill in Abraham's life. He went from just sacrificing and building altars here and there to giving God a tenth of all and the miracles and the prosperity began to happen. It became so great that he became an abomination to the Egyptians because his livestock overtook the land. His flocks were so huge, the Egyptians and all of the things that transpired, and we don't have time to get into it. You need to read about it. They forced him out of the land and going into the desert, he still was able to grow livestock. How is a foreigner from a foreign land in a new land able to be the richest and the most prosperous man. I'll tell you, it wasn't by his own might or his own power, but it was by the Spirit of God. Camels, goats, sheep, all of this livestock in a desert where there are no lakes and there are no rivers, but God Almighty would open up water sources for him and green pastures here and there because he knew the principle that if I will give God a gift and if I will be faithful in it and return to him what he's given to me, that is where the wealth came from. And maybe there's a young man in here 
and you're a senior in high school or a young lady, a senior in college or wherever you may be, you are worried about the future and you've got something inside of you. It's the voice of God saying, I've got an education for you. I've got a future for you. I've got a name for you. I've got a great destiny for your life. If you want to have that fulfilled in your life, learn to become a giver and watch God open up doors for you and create opportunities for you where nobody else, amen, is being successful. Oh, that is the power of our God. Let me hear you say a gift. A person's giving, as Solomon teaches, it broadens you. It causes expansion. It makes room for you. It creates opportunity for you. A person's offering will bring him before great men, not so much kings, but people who are above average and know how to produce and will partner with you and help you advance. It means that your generosity, your politeness, and your obedience to the word of God will always open a door for you and create a path for you where it seems like there is no way. Your giving will widen your share here in this lifetime and in the future and in the world to come. And watch it not only give you room, but will connect you with people that will be trustworthy and help advance you. I feel like there is somebody here today that you feel like God's command to pay tithe and to pay offering, that it's a burden. Understand this, giving, gift, it's not punishment. It's not a fine you have to pay. It's not a tribute. It's not a premium. You know what tithe and offering is? It's a gift. It's giving. It's an expression of love. It's an expression of endearment back to God for his blessings and his great provision. From Old Testament to New Testament, God loves giving. And those who partake in it and do it are blessed above all others. That's the way it is. I didn't write it. I didn't create it, but it's been around a long time. And the Pentecostal church figured this out really around the time of the Great Depression. I've read the writings of preachers. I've heard the stories. I've read biographies during the Depression. Many people gave up on God. Churches were being emptied. But there were these little groups of people that met under brush arbors and met in barns. Some met in caves, some met in fields. And the preacher taught the people that if we will give, God will help us through this time of depression. That if we will give to God's house, he'll help us during this time of famine and the dust bowl and other things like that. And people were afraid, but they trusted the word of God and believed in their God. For they had a great sign from heaven, the gift of tongues and the gift of healing. And all the supernatural began to happen. And they got together, churches across America, Pentecostal people, reading the word that if God's word was true for tongues and miracles, then it's got to be true for giving. And these men with large families, knowing they may not have any food for the evening, would give God what was first. 
Giving during times of hardship. And I've read the stories and some of you, your grandparents can tell you that God helped them get through and they never lacked and they never died and they were never plagued, but they came through and many of the descendants of those people in that generation are here today because people said, I don't care how hard it gets. I don't care how tough it gets. I don't care how we lost. God has been too good for me not to give to him. That's how Abraham did it. During famine, he kept giving. When he didn't have a son, he kept giving. When the promises of God weren't fulfilled, he kept giving because he knew you could trust this God. And if God said it, it's going to happen. Mm. God loves gifts. He loves hospitality. He loves it when he feels welcomed. You know, Jesus went back to his hometown to preach. And he gets up there to preach probably one of his first sermons. And he starts to preach. And the people from Nazareth said, who is this guy? We know his dad. We know his brothers. We know his sisters. Why is he saying these things? And the Bible says because of their unbelief and because they kicked him out. If you want to know the truth, they tried to push him over a cliff. He could not do many miracles there. I remember my first sermon. I snuck into dad's office when he wasn't watching and took a bunch of notes out of there and got up to the pulpit, threw a little bit of my own ideas here and there, and thank God nobody tried to throw me out of the church. When I preached my heart out and thanked the Lord, two or three precious souls came to the altar that day. But God has been good. I'll tell you why he's been good to us, because we don't thrust out men and women of God in this church, but we receive them and we love them and we welcome them and we bless them and we're good to them. And that is why God has blessed the life church, because we have welcomed what God wanted to do in here. And so he left his city and went to other small towns throughout the land. And the men and the women would open up their homes and give him dinner and give him silver, give him coin, and would finance his projects. And in those cities, in those territories where they would give gifts unto the Lord, that is where demons were cast out. That is where leprosy was healed. That is where deaf ears were open. That is where people who couldn't talk started speaking. That is when blinded eyes were open. That is when the lame would walk because they not only had faith, but they gave gifts to God and God let them have room in his presence as they were brought before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus was in a room one day talking and debating and being questioned. And one woman that he cast demons out of looked through the window and saw they never gave the Lord hospitality. And she looked down and back then they walked on dusty roads. She looked down and saw a dusty, the dusty feet of Messiah. And she knew somebody's got to show hospitality to the Lord. You know, foot washing is different back then than it is nowadays. You know, for us, when we do it, now we do spiritual foot washing, lay hands on each other's feet. And I'm so glad we do. Back in the 90s on watch night service or, or New Year's or whatever we did, you know, we all got pedicures and got the clippers out and, and got a little Dr. Scholl's freezing on some of those things on the feet that shouldn't belong there. And we had little bins and we'd put our feet in there, no soap, no, no, just, just water. And we put our feet in there and somebody would awkwardly lay their hands on your bare feet and pray for you. But bless God, we had a move of God anyhow, praise the Lord, because our hearts were in the right place. 
Back then, foot washing didn't break out in a prayer meeting. No. It was a way as a gift to show hospitality when your friends or family or a stranger would come into the city so they didn't have to wash their own feet, but you did it for them, and usually your servants would do it. And that woman looked in the window and saw the Lord. Nobody had showed hospitality to the kings of kings and the Lord of lords. Nobody has given him anything. Nobody's done nothing special for him. So she didn't just go down to the river and get a jar of water. No, she went and found the most expensive thing that she had, the spikenard, the perfume in a box, and walks into that house, didn't care what anybody thought, and she gave something that was worth 300 pence as worship and a gift unto the Lord just to welcome him into a house that probably wasn't even hers. And she wept and she cried. That was giving sacrificial giving. A single woman probably had children, but just for the Lord to feel welcomed and to feel appreciated and to celebrate what he had done in her life and the spiritual warfare that he did gave him the most expensive thing. And he looked around and said, none of you washed my feet, men. All you Pharisees, none of you gave a thing to me. But this woman, because she has given to me she is going to be remembered for generations to generations, and it's true. I know we got a lot of great stories in the Bible, but I've heard about the woman with the alabaster box far more than I've heard about Peter walking on the water. We got a lot of phenomenal things that have happened in the Bible, but I've even heard more about Mary's alabaster box than Lazarus coming out of that grave. You want to know why? Because she gave, and it made room for her, not only in her time, but the future generations of the church and in heaven to come. And I've come to tell a man or a woman, if God has been good to you and you will give to him, you will always have room, even in the presence of your enemies. Praise the Lord. Praise God. God wants you to have room. And if you will give, you will have room. I love faith. I could feel the faith of so many people coming into this church. I was greeted by a man, a husband and father here in our church, just as he was dropping his children off to our kids' ministry. And he said, Pastor Justin, a few weeks ago, you told me that great things were going to happen to me. He said, to be honest with you, I got a few things that were kind of disappointing before it all came down to it. He said, I feel promoted of God. I've got better hours. I'm getting great pay, and God is being good to me. Let me tell you. Giving will open up opportunities for you. We got to have faith. Got to have it. But faith doesn't open up doors for you. It won't make room for you. But you know what faith does? It starts moving things. It starts making mountains go into the sea. We got to have love. Love is powerful. It's great. It's wonderful. It's one of the key components to Christianity but love will not make room for you. You know what love will do? It will keep things held together in your life. We've got to have forgiveness, church. And understand this, forgiveness will not give you room that the Bible talks about. But forgiveness will help you to release things. If you're here in this early part of 2024, and you feel, as it were, spiritually claustrophobic, you feel like you have no room to grow. You feel as if you are stuck. Faith is not going to help you get room. Love is not going to help that. 
Forgiveness alone will not help that, but it's time for you to start giving and watch the room manifest before you in your life. If you feel like you're in the back of the line in the kingdom of God, try to start giving and watch God make a place for you. Give and room will come to you. Give and you will be brought before greatness. If you feel like your heart is far from God, give and watch your heart be knit to him. If you feel a disconnection to this church, start giving and watch the friendships come and your phone will be blown up and you'll be having to tell people, no, I've already made plans because that is just how it works. Giving will give you opportunities that you never thought you could have. It will connect you to people you never thought you could get connected with. And it's not because of me or anything any other preacher has ever preached, but it's in the word of God, written in the word of God, that your gift will make room for you. Bishop Gleason has told the story back in the 90s, one of his early trips to India. Apostle C.P. Thomas said, Bishop, I want you to meet the king of kings, the king of all the tribal community, King Raman, a Hindu king, pagan king. And I feel like we're in a good environment and I'm in a safe place, but to keep this family friendly, ancient Hindus did sacrifice, despicable things. By biblical standards, this king was not a good man. And how many of y'all know that good God wants to help people that are not good people? And he needed the gospel too. And Bishop looked around in his suitcase because if you're going to go see a king, you've got to have something good. And the only thing he had was a king-size candy bar. And we got a picture of it. Walks in there and there, meets the king, gives him that candy bar. We got a picture of it. You could see that man's countenance soften as he opened that up and ate American candy. That pagan king's heart was softened as Bishop began to preach the gospel to him. Later after that trip, that king was baptized, received the Holy Ghost, became a Christian, and he is in heaven to this day. I know the gospel is powerful. I know it will pierce right through any heart. It'll get into the bones. It'll get into the marrow. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. But what would have happened if Bishop would have walked in there without a gift for that man? I can tell you this. I just feel it. He probably would have had his heart touched and maybe somewhere down the road something powerful would have happened. But that candy bar broke down the wall. It broke down the barrier. Gifts has its way of unifying and connecting people. Hmm. You got a disciple on your mind. You got a family member you're really trying to work on. You really, really feel it. You see it. You prophetically seen yourself baptizing them, praying them through in the altar call. Why don't you say, let's go to lunch, my treat, I'm buying, and watch God have his way. Nah. <laughs> we got a lot of great barbecue in this town. You can have a full rack of ribs your way into somebody's heart. That promotion you've been wanting, 
Take your boss out to lunch in case he burnt ends. Just may be your ticket into getting that promotion. I've just come to tell you, gifts have its way of getting you in places before people you never thought you could. And if you will do these biblical principles, watch the Lord open up room for you. Praise God. Not only for discipleship, but relationships in your life. Coming back to Jacob and Esau. Those brothers hadn't seen each other for decades. Esau wanted to kill his own brother. And who knows what would have happened had Jacob not sent a gift unto him. But when Esau came and saw livestock and gifts coming from his brother, it melted his heart. It softened him. And forgiveness is there. And maybe your brother's is estranged from another family member. I know it's earlier in the year, but maybe just your one gift away from restoring a relationship. Oh my God. Mmm. <laughs> Praise God. July 12, 2008, I was at a wedding. I was single. To be transparent, I got kicked to the curb about a week earlier by a girl I was dating. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh, it's funny. Who knows, maybe I deserved it. It's, uh, it was not in a good place. When I met the beautiful sister Anna, it was love at first sight and first handshake. And we started talking on the phone, and I knew good and well, you can't ask a girl to be your girlfriend without a gift. And I'm not the best at gifts, so I put pen to paper and started writing down all of these ideas, purses, chocolates, flowers, I didn't want to love bomber, you know. You know what that is, these guys that don't have a chance in the world but just bomb a girl with love, with everything, and hopes to win her heart. It doesn't work, guys, let me tell you. <laughs> so I thought, what am I going to give her first? Ah, I'm going to make it spiritual, a Bible. And I sent her a Bible and highlighted a few scriptures, especially he who finds a wife finds a good thing. <laughs> and it worked, praise the Lord. The flowers started coming. Gift cards started coming. And then on September 25th, 2009, she didn't know it, but I had my car parked around the corner of her house. She was getting up early that morning when I saw her walk out to the driveway. I got down on one knee. I had a bouquet of roses, a coach purse, and a ring. And I said, can you find it in your heart to be my wife? Men, gifts work. Let me tell you, they work. They work in your marriage, they work with your children, they work at work, they work with your neighbors, and they will work with God. Oh, they will. Praise God. Mm. I first started employment in restaurants. I liked it. I remember my dad, after I just turned 16, I wanted to get a job as a busboy in a new steakhouse in town where we live. And Dad got me in the car and drove me up there to put in an application. And I mean, he's really being a good dad. He's saying, Justin, on that application, you write good. If they don't read it, you're not going to get a chance at an interview. 
You make sure to fill in those boxes right. Don't put your birthday where your social security number is. Don't put your social security number where your birthday is and make sure to get this and this and this and this. And he said, by the way, you tell him you can show up early and you can stay late. There's nothing you can't do there. You say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am to your superiors. You don't gossip. You don't get in trouble. You don't cause problems for people. You stay in your lane and watch yourself get promoted in that store there. I remember walking in and it was like, boom, people everywhere. There's probably 25 people in there filling out applications and interviews and things like that. I remember getting out that application and whew, did that thing look intimidating? But I just prayed silently in my spirit, God help me. And I began to fill that out and I turned it in and the lady looked at it, looked at me and said, come on back. I'll interview you right now. And I walked past people who had looked like they'd been sitting there for a while and I sat down there. And she said, I see these references here. I see a pastor and a youth pastor. That's why I want to talk to you. And she began to ask me questions and began to learn things about me. I mean, I was completely green. I'd never bust a table in my life. I don't know if I'd ever cleaned my room in my life. <laughs> and after asking questions about me, learned who my dad was, a pastor, learned who this church was. She shook my hand and said, you start tonight. Come on back. I showed up early, and I got in there not knowing anybody or anything. I didn't worry about making friends or being social or whatever. I figured out what my job description was. And I looked and watched as a lot of the other bussers commonly would sneak out back and have a cigarette or something else they shouldn't have been doing. But guess where Justin was? Cleaning up other people's cigarettes and cleaning up their sodas and cleaning up their food and putting it in that bus tub and bringing it back there to that dishwasher. I worked so hard, and I watched as those servers. Now, they had a minimum amount they had to give all the busters that they shared in. But I watched sometimes on Friday nights, Saturday nights, when it really got busy, a lot of those servers would come by and with nobody seeing would slip a $20 bill in my pocket and said, thanks for taking great care of me tonight. Couldn't have done it without you. Week after week after week, these little bit of gifts would come my way. And I knew they weren't doing it for other people, but they knew who worked hard. They knew who could turn a table quick. Because those servers, if your table's not clean, you're not going to get sat. If you want money, you want tips as a server, you trust your busboy to clean up. And I kept working, and I figured out who those servers were that liked to tip me a little extra. And guess whose tables got cleaned up a little bit earlier? <laughs> You know why? Their gifts started making room for them. And this same principle works with God. I became a server after that when I turned 18, and I did the same thing. I figured out who those bus girls, those bus boys were, and I would slip them a little 10 or a little 20 and watch my tables get cleaned up before everybody else. Even from time to time, I would go back to the grill guy. If he'd cooked up a bunch of steaks, did a lot of extra work for a lot of customers, I would go back and slip him some money and say, food looked good tonight. Thank you so much. And guess who got their plates out quicker? Guess who got their tables cleaner? It was me because my gift made a little bit of room for me. I remember it was the summer of 2003. I was a waiter at a restaurant that... Uh, May or may not have cheese in it, may or may not have factory in it. Back then, we wore all white. Those uniforms, I tell you, they were something to try to keep clean. I don't know what it was. It always happened to me. I would have somebody order a spaghetti dish or a pasta dish, 
and putting it on that tray. Somebody had to bump by and have spaghetti all down my white uniform. I don't know why, but that just happened to me a lot, whatever. Praise God. No matter what, I could just serve, no matter if I had soiled linens or not, praise God. I worked. I went through a time in my life when, um, I don't know why, but I was always faithful in my giving. My dad taught me that. From a young age, when Brother Tinsley was our Sunday school superintendent, I would give coins in those little cans. I liked the way it made me feel, and I liked the way it sounded, and offering to me just seemed so special. But I went through a time where I wasn't spending my tithe, but I was just putting it in a little can and keeping it in a little lockbox underneath my bed. I went an entire summer working at the store here in Kansas City, back here, back home, and didn't pay tithe. And I got back to school where I was going in St. Louis Bible College. I went back to the Big Cheese. I was expecting to get my job back coming home from the summer. And the boss said, uh, we don't have any positions for you. Sorry, not happening. I remember going back to my dorm room and being so upset and so sad, like, God, I lost my job. But I'm going to make it. I'm going to keep on going. The next day, we had chapel service, and our president, Brother Tim Dugas, got up. We were all ready for a fiery sermon, ready to start the new year. You know what he got up there and preached about? Tithing. And he said, if you're not going to be a tithe payer and you're not going to give to God, I want you to cancel your enrollment and get back home and get a job somewhere else. You're not fit for the ministry. He started preaching about the principle of tithing and giving. And I got to tell you, I got under so much conviction. And I prayed at that altar and I said, God, I know I got a lot of tithe in a box. And I went in the back, got that tithe, and I gave it. Within 30 minutes, my phone rang. It was the boss the day before. She called me up and said, Justin, I need you. Can you be here tonight? And I got my job back. I got it back. No way that's a coincidence. I withheld gifts from God. And I didn't have room where I needed room. But as soon as I gave my gift to God, the room opened up for me and I was brought before great people. I just feel to tell somebody, don't think for one minute that God views your offering as a premium, as an obligation, as like tax time, as like a fine. But when you give to him, it's a gift to him. You pay tithe, it's just like opening up gifts at Christmas. He doesn't view it as a bill or an invoice or a ticket, but anytime you give to him, tithe, offering, missions, building fund, any of those things, he says, gift, it's a gift. Everybody has that one person in their family that is so hard to shop for. You almost dread getting them as a secret Santa because it never seems like they're happy with anything, right? God is not that way. He is the easiest person to shop for. He's the easiest person to give a gift to. His wish list is so simple. He likes the first 10%. And if you will give that to him, you will excite him. You, his heart will be knit to yours. You give to missionaries when they come through. He will treat it as a gift and he'll start making room for you. When you feel an extra blessing coming your way and you give it to this building fund, you give to children's ministry, you give to youth ministry, whatever the Lord lays on your heart as finances come your way. Watch God's excitement swell up. It'll be like his birthday. 
He wants gifts from you. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I feel conviction in the house, and that's a good thing. But really what you're feeling is a deeper level of the love of God. And God is saying to somebody, I really, really want to take my love for you into another level because I love cheerful givers. If you've got a gift to give, give it to him. Don't give it away to somebody else. Don't bury it and hide it, but use it and give it for the Lord's service. I'm preaching to somebody that feels like they've run out of room. Oh, there's more room for you. You feel like you're claustrophobic. You feel like you're stuck in life. You feel like you're not going anywhere. Let me tell you what, if you will give what God says give, he will open up doors for you that will blow your mind. If you believe it and you receive it, I invite you to stand right now with your hands raised and just worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, don't be a keeper. What would have happened if God would have kept? Oh no, but he gave. He gave his life for us. He's already given. God wants to get into a gift exchange with some of you. He wants you to give back to him. He wants it to become a reoccurring thing. And if you want the gifts of God and the callings of God, that's great. But do you want the room of God? Do you want to be brought before the greatness of God? It's only going to come through gifts. You can't have faith to it. You can't love your way to it. You can't forgive your way to it. The only way to it is to give and to give and to give. If you're looking for a place, I invite you to get out of your seat right now and come down to the altar. Come on, somebody. If God's got your heart, let him get a hold of your wallet. If God's got your heart, let him get a hold of your financial app. Let him get a hold of your banking institution. Let him get a hold of your checkbook. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Give and let room happen in your life. Give your way to spiritual connection. Give your way to have your life turned around. Give your way into the blessings of the Lord. Come on, Mary, where are you at? Where's your alabaster box? Come on, Zacchaeus. It's time for you to get out of a tree and get God in your house and give and give and give. Hallelujah. Give it will open doors for you. It'll make a way for you. Give it, give it, give it. It's not a fine. It's not an invoice. It's not a premium. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from him. Thank you, Lord. Bless us, Lord, as we give this year. Bless us, Lord God, as we give cheerfully and joyfully unto you. We got gifts for you, Lord. I want to be blessed like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want to have the favor like David. I speak over the live church. There's room for this entire congregation in this city. And there's greatness for us we haven't even achieved, but it's going to begin. It's going to open up. God is making room for TLC. And we are going to be brought before great people. Hallelujah. We're not just going to be average or below average, but God is going to give this church status. In Jesus' name, in this life and in the life to come. Ha ra bo ko sha ba ra ba ha ta ba ra da bo ko sha ta